Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, it's breakfast somewhere. So eat up. Welcome to Breakfast with Vinny. Food for thought. Okay, okay, settle down, settle down, easy. Okay, take it easy, settle down. My guest today is someone who you will remember that has returned again to the show, who is an author, a speaker, lecturer, and a social psychologist with a PhD from Stanford University in California. She's created a domestic violence prevention program called Unmasking the Abuser with her podcast of the same name that was featured in a TEDx talk available on YouTube. And she's here to talk about her new book, Fascination with the Devil, Why Women Love Emotionally Dangerous Men. Please welcome again, Dr. Dina McMillan. Welcome back, Dina. Great to see you. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) Hi, Wendy. Yeah. Me too. Me too. It's been a long time and, and way overdue. So um, so what's been new in your world? Oh, so, so much. Um, well, one thing, I the books that I was working on, mm-hmm. um, I was working on three projects when we spoke last. Mm-hmm. I was working on an audio version of the book I published back in 2007, but is still the only one of its kind, but he says he loves me. Mm-hmm. I was working on the audio version of that. I was working on another book that has a broader scope that's not just about abusers. It's about all kinds of losers, users, abusers, called Fascination with the Devil, Why Women Love Emotionally Dangerous Men. And I was also working on a new and expanded version of my book, But He Says He Loves Me, which I expect to be out in October, Mm. but Fascination with the Devil came out almost a month ago. All right. And here it is. Fantastic. on my website, I also have, people can buy copies of the audio version Mm -hmm. of Buddy Says He Loves Me. Those are huge projects to get out. So I'm very pleased. Yeah, I'm sure you should should be. You've been working. Sounds like you've been working really hard. So, so this new book you have, "Fascination with the Devil: Why Women Love Emotionally Dangerous Men." So, so what what's the book about in a nutshell? I mean, I'm sure the title reveals a lot, but just let it rip. Well, although I do explain why, and because I don't want people to blame themselves, there mm. are a lot of sociocultural factors, and issues with upbringing that encourage women to think that they can take a really bad man, a broken man, a twisted man, and through the power of their love and their devotion, they can transform it. Mm -hmm. So women, in a nutshell, are not taught to be very picky. They're taught to be particular, perhaps, about um, his standard of living, his, his job, but not much else. And if you look at our broader culture, you look at something like Fifty Shades of Grey, and you see that that is still being promoted. Here you have an hyper-controlling sociopath um, with issues about dominance and brutality, and He's like something off of an issue, you know, uh, an episode of Criminal Minds. In fact, 
there was a meme going around at the time that said, this guy is only sexy because he's a billionaire. If he lived in a trailer, he'd be an episode of Criminal Minds. And it's absolutely true. And this is what is being sold to women. Mm -hmm. So you have that factor. And then you combine the fact that most women think their taste is their taste. That that's just how they love. They read things about love maps and everything else. No, you can actually change your taste. And I show women in the book, we start the process. I show you how to do it. So that you can actually start desiring a loving man who will cherish you rather than this broken man who's going to cause you trauma throughout your life. Right, right. And so... So you're giving them techniques. So this is rich. Um, first of all, it's it's you're you're. I mean, look, a woman wouldn't have to sort of. Oh, now I have to consult the enneagram and all of this sort of stuff. Or what's my love map? And you're giving them techniques that are, are, are basically going to trim the fat and say, look, you don't have to do all of that sort of stuff. This is what you need to do. And um, and and also, um, I mean it it sort of um, brings up this whole thing of can people change or can't they, you know? Of course they can. Yeah. Absolutely. So what I get is a lot of women, in fact, I even have a chapter in the book called A Silk Purse from a Sow's Ear because so often when I'm discussing bad men of all types, the mm -hmm. first question women have is can he change? And what they want really to know is can I change him? Now, the first one is, can he change? Yes, he can. Can I change him? No, you can't. Mm -hmm. Huge so distinction. So I talk about, in, in the chapter, I mm -hmm. go through how you can tell if someone is really motivated and willing to put in the work to make the kind of fundamental changes that someone would need to go from having a very selfish, unhealthy, dysfunctional way of maintaining relationships to having a healthier way of maintaining relationships. It can be done, but mm -hmm. they have to be motivated. They have to be willing to do in the work, do the work. You cannot do it for them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you're saying that changing yourself will sort of give them an example that uh, gives them the message that I can't pull the wool over this person's eyes. So if I really want to be with this person, then I have to change. And yes, I will change because I want to be with this person because she is a good person. And so it could be a catalyst for all of that to happen. Or if he's a shyster, then he'll just go his way, his own way. And, you know, good riddance for you, right? You know what I mean? Is that? Well, I, yeah, I, yes, absolutely. And yeah. I say I wrote this book yeah. as much for the, mm -hmm. I, I wrote it for women, but I also wrote it to be given as a gift by all the good guys out there right. who are tired of their siblings and their friends and their acquaintances crying on their shoulder all the time about some no good Nick that they could tell at first meeting was yeah. going to break their hearts. And they're constantly consoling these women and these women have relegated them to the friend zone. Mm -hmm. And these are wonderful men that could make them very happy. Mm -hmm. So, and as it, <clears throat> with regard to the change, I show women first what change looks like in someone else, and then I just specifically, I specifically provide information 
for women to be able to change their own taste. And I'm backing it up even further. I'm going to be putting some courses on my website. Great. And they're going to be really inexpensive. I mean, like the cost of going to the movie and getting popcorn. And we can do some courses where I can provide extra support, walk, walk you through, provide detail I wasn't able to do in the book. So I'm really serious about this. I want to see a lot more happy, healthy relationships. I think that's great. I think that, you know, the idea that you're uh, you're you're supplementing uh, with, with that really, really going the extra extra mile to to uh to give them tools and work with people and give them extra stuff is fantastic so you you you're you're talking about the friend zone is that something that usually happens right away and you know at there's a certain threshold whereby once they're in the friend zone they stay there you know number one that's one question and the second part of the question would be do you think that the people do that purposely sometimes to push them away or just to see, uh, you know, how, how hard they'll come after them? Well, I've met really happy couples that started off with one or the other, usually the man in the friend zone, mm -hmm. usually not the woman. Mm -hmm. Usually if the woman's at the friend zone, she pretty much stays there. But sometimes the men can work their way out of the friend zone. But, right. But basically what it is, and I'm not talking about guys who call themselves good guys, but they really aren't. I'm talking about the genuinely good guys that would mm -hmm. make wonderful partners. Okay. Um, and often they're too decent. For women who've been programmed and, and have conditioned themselves to think if he's not risky, if he's not dangerous, if he's not selfish, if he's not disloyal, that he's not really sexually alluring, and so I'm going to put him in the friend zone. For those kind of self-destructive women, it's hard to get a guy out of the friend zone who's a decent guy unless she changes her taste. And she has every reason to do it because that that bad boy that she's so enamored of mm -hmm. is never going to make her happy. Right, of course not. So here, here's the thing, though. This, this has always been one of those things that, you know, I've, personally been fascinated with why is it that women are attracted to these bad boy types and so really you know other than you you're saying this self-destructive behavior and you know it could be very psychologically complex i've i've wondered how much of it is you know nature versus nurture um biology uh the selfish gene you know uh the reproductive pecking order the alpha male which He's behaving that way because testosterone is basically running him. And he's thinking, you know, I'm just going to show how tough I am. And then they get attracted to that on some sort of subliminal level. You know what I mean? And there's this body language that happens. And, and uh, you know, they they just go over these. They think, well, you know, he's, he you know, he, he's, he can sort of fight off the other ones. So he can throw, he gets to throw his genes into the future, but he won't stick around. So I'll find another one to, 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 to hang around. You know what I mean? Or how much of it is nurture and, and is the biologic and how much of the biological stuff is bullshit, you know, and, and pardon my well, language. No, the biology is there. But one of the things I also do in one of the courses that I'm going to be offering, well, it's actually linked to two courses yeah. on my, my website. Mm -hmm. And I it's funny, I just spoke about this on another podcast because 
it is true that we are biologically attracted to what we believe is the alpha male. What we're not taught until I came along, and I did a lot of research on this mm -hmm. over a period of years, mm -hmm. is that there are actually two types of alpha males. There's a true alpha male, and there's an alpha imitator. Really? So I had no idea. If you, if you don't know the difference, what you're noticing, and of course it is that primal thing. If a guy is, is, is bright and a natural leader and willing to speak his mind and mm -hmm. take charge, there is a, a predisposition, a biological predisposition for women to find that attractive. Except if she knows what a true alpha male is, she's going to be looking for other things. She's going to be looking to see, is does he have values and principles that he lives by? Does he have empathy and compassion for other people? Does he hold himself accountable for his behavior? So that's what a true alpha male will do that the alpha imitator will not. The wow. alpha imitator is all about the self. So his masculinity he uses his masculinity to promote and provide for himself and oh, okay. he wants the prestige and he wants the admiration right. and so that's what he wants mm. but he doesn't have a sense of, of true empathy and compassion no personal accountability and here's something else i found when doing the research on this true alpha males bond to their their partners, their mates, in a way they're like wolves. You know how wolves really mate and yes. bond and yeah. it's a lifelong bond? Sure. Mm -hmm. A true alpha male will be a loyal partner in a way that the alpha imitator is constantly looking for opportunities to spread his seed because it's all about him. That person he's having sex with is not a human being to him. That mm -hmm. child he's producing mm -hmm. is just another way to feed his ego. Mm -hmm. So he is a completely different prospect as someone mm -hmm. who's fathering your children that a true alpha male will be with you to help you raise them. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I'm, I want to teach women what a true alpha male looks like and and for an easy example and because streaming is available mm -hmm. so you can find about any film that's ever been made if you want to see what a true alpha male looks like look at gladiator right he, even by playing a true alpha male russell crowe won an oscar I've, right so you know jordan peterson talks about this as well where <laughs> you know a, a man is genuinely dangerous but he won't use that so you want yes you he, want him to protect you right because guy that's that, that says i'm a good guy but he's weak it reminds me of when i was a kid watching the flintstones and even as a kid i was a baby social psychologist even before i knew what social psychology was <laughs> i knew as a kid when i would watch cartoons like the flintstones i was always very bothered by the dynamic i found the way, you know, because I, I, I read later that the Flintstones was modeled off of the Honeymooners, that show from the 50s. Oh. That on the way he was always threatening to hit his wife, abusive, even as a kid. I just, it bothered me. Mm -hmm. Now, the Flintstones, Fred doesn't do that, but he's very, very aggressive. Uh-huh. But even less than Fred, I couldn't stand Barney Rubble, his friend. <laughs> 
And here's why. There were so many situations watching those cartoons mm-hmm. where Barney and, and Betty ended up in terrible situations. I even remember an episode where they ended up homeless. Hmm. He kept doing whatever Fred told him. Mm. So I saw even as a kid that even worse than a bad man was a weak man. Right. I understand. I understand. Yeah, I see. I just wonder how many people noticed that, you know, or even got it on, on any kind of a level. I mean, maybe, maybe it got drilled into them subliminally and uh, who knows what it may have reinforced, but that's interesting that you would say that. Cause I mean, I myself never even noticed that. And you know, who knows, maybe it's a male perspective. For example, um, you know, a lot of guys like the three stooges, but many women that I know don't, they say, Oh, it's too violent. And you know, meanwhile, it's not just violent. I, I don't find bullying behavior funny. Yeah, no, I get it. And you when know, he's it's, always poking people in the eyes. Yeah, and, yeah. But I know that, that also yeah. for males, there's a primal need to use friendship to toughen each other up. Right, right. There's that. Then they get in a fight and then they're best friends and there's all that kind of dynamics, you know, and, and, and I think that I think uh, and, 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 and yeah. wrestling and right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they see it in a different way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think that a lot of us, um, probably saw that stuff as slapstick when maybe it was not an integral or necessary part of uh slapstick, but, but at the same time, you know, I, I share your sentiment about bullying. I think bullying is, is, should be abolished, you know, you know what I mean? It shouldn't be allowed to happen, you know? But I'm standing back for that again and saying, because one of the things, one of the really disappointing things that I learned, I promised myself when I started getting my formal education and, and decided to continue that I was going to continue to learn throughout my life. Mm-hmm. It was a very disheartening day when I realized that I'd seen too much compelling evidence that gender is not just a social construct, that gender norms are based around our reproductive roles, and therefore we have natural predispositions to behave a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. I was extremely upset because I had been chanting the mantra, just like everyone else, gender is a social construct. Well, and this is what I realized instead devaluing females is a social construct. It's not a necessary part of, of society. Amen. But because we have, we bear the children, we feed the children from our bodies, they keep finding new chemical processes that go on um, between mothers and, and children, even after birth, when they're feeding them, when they're nurturing them, when they're touching them. We have such a critical role with small children that of course it's why our voices are higher our features are softer i mean but biology counts too wow right devaluing women because we bring life onto the earth that's not a necessity and we can get rid of that part okay boy that's yeah yeah amen to that and and i think that that do do you think that um, that there is a purposeful intent? Um, and I know this sounds bizarre. It may sound bizarre to some people um, to sort of uh, do that in order to stir things up 
for one reason or the other, um, you know, and, and, and add confusion in society or, or destabilize it by, by sort of, you know, creating this whole uh, gender construct thing and, and having it devalue women as, as a byproduct of, of, of itself. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, you know, no, I'm, I identify this as this, except my pronouns are, and sometimes I'm a cat, you know, but a female one, but not really, um, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and the byproduct of that going on for a while though, Yeah. come on, we know of any, one of the things I look at the feminist movement and it looks like it is attempting to change that dynamic where females, because we are not as physically strong, are devalued in society, which makes no sense because we bring life into this earth. Amen. That is a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, our roles with our mates is also important. Supporting and nurturing our mate is also critical. Um, and taking that away from us, I here's another thing I was disheartened by. I see a real effort to, first of all, feminize men in Western society. So it's 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 reached a crescendo where we have, I was looking up, for instance, I was putting some articles, some blogs on my website, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was looking for some art. And I typed in masculine man into my the search engine for the art site that I buy the stock photos. Mm -hmm. And all it showed me was a bunch of things talking about toxic masculinity. Oh boy, I was going to bring this up too. Um, I you know what toxic masculinity is is selfishness. But mm -hmm. I'm looking at this by by making males feel bad for their naturally masculine role to provide for and protect women and children. It is weakened us as a society, telling women that we are supposed to not just give our sexuality away, we're supposed to sell it to the highest bidder, means our, our home lives mm -hmm. are unstable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Weakens us as a society. Mm -hmm. This I this sounds like it's the Machiavellian machinations of somebody that's trying to destroy well Western culture. I agree with you. I completely and one thousand percent. And and you know they're using the term the term i'm going to rephrase that instead of saying they are um the term toxic masculinity is somehow being used to sort of reframe the idea of masculinity um, yes you know yes. In, in in a bad way it's like and i've seen this sort of semantic you know language twisting and linguistic jujitsu happening for a while now and it also i think has reached a crescendo and and in terms of just seeing males become emasculated i've seen that happening now for a couple of decades at least yes and, me and too. as you see and I, yeah that's another reason also for if you look at initially the lgbt movement especially not necessarily the t but the lgb movement mm -hmm claimed that they wanted to not be persecuted. But I was looking at the methods being used to gain acceptance, and I saw through it because I'm a social psychologist. And sure enough, I was right. My family's like, oh, you're so conservative. I said, look, I became so conservative 
when I started to see the flow on and flow out effects of what's going on, because now we don't just have LGB being accepted, it's promoted. Mm-hmm. And I always look at anything and ask, who wins? Who wins if you are not having children with your spouse? Who wins if oh. we, you know, and I have worked, I immersed in the in the in the gay and lesbian community. I had um a talkback radio show on a gay and lesbian radio station. I was the agony aunt for a gay men's magazine. So we're not talking about somebody who's theoretical and over here. I was right down in the dirt. And what I saw was very alarming. I hated the use of the rainbow. I hated the use of the mantras. You know, love is love. That's pedophile speak. And I work in abuse. Love is, they call it love when they're absolutely destroying someone. So I don't like those those tokenistic uh, slogans that are being used mm-hmm. to override someone's protectiveness. Right, right, and right. And I'm looking at this mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not, and I'm not advocating for persecution. Right. But I'm asking who wins when we're teaching children that it's uncool to be heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And we're taking masculinity away. We're taking away the sanctity of the same sex spaces. There's nothing better than getting together with people the same sex and having them interact. But once you start adding a sexual component to that, environment it changes everything mm-hmm. and again though now we're seeing you know women being used like human incubators by gay couples to want to have children calling the 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 surrogate it and all sorts of terms um You're dehumanizing that yeah. it is destabilizing our society ask a society you know, as goes the family, so goes the society. So I'm looking at this. Yeah. This is not about acceptance. This is about takeover. I, 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 now, yeah, I agree. Gambling. Yeah, it def- definitely is. And it's and, and that should be obvious. If you just look at the at the mechanisms and, and what's actually happening, you know, even if you didn't look at it from with that lens or with that kind of sensibility or perception, and you just said, oh, this is interesting. It seems like we're becoming more androgynous. Hum, you know, I wonder why, you know. And, and who or, wins? Yeah. Who wins? You know, even and, if you, and even talking about this, do you realize how risky it is for yeah. me to even discuss this? Yeah. People have told me, you can't talk about LGB stuff. No, you can't. Well, it, let's not even get into the tea. Let's, you can't even talk about LGB stuff. I said, look, mm-hmm. I will talk about black people. Mm-hmm. I will talk about women. I became a social scientist because I wanted to have a critical lens that I examined everything. To right. me, nothing is off limits. Right. And I don't like the fact that I'm being told, no, you can't pay attention to what's going on right in front of your face, even though it's impacting society in a in a major way. And it's weakening us. It's oh. weakening us. And I'm not, as I said, if, if the... LGB movement had advocated for lack of persecution without taking the rainbow, which I felt was an, just an <clears throat> absolute insult. You use a symbol that's on every kid's drawing. It's the symbol, you know, Judeo-Christian symbol of hope. It's on every kid's drawing mm-hmm. because it's how you teach them colors. So you take something 
soft and harmless and you use that as your symbol and while what you are advocating for goes against the very values of those people it seems to me like an obvious insult there's an absolutely no reason to have a flag and it's certainly no reason to have a rainbow as a flag Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's like usurping that thing and in and, and, and the symbolism of it. Why? And, and so really, um, this is not Look about at trans. Look at trans using baby blue and baby pink. Well, see, that's that's a, that's another thing right right there. I go 10 levels further. Yeah. And is this, again, not advocating for persecution. I'm advocating for free reflection exactly. and examination and if you what you are saying is valid then scrutiny should not bother you bingo the only way what i've said should bother you is if you've been conditioned that certain things are sacrosanct and you're supposed to have willful blindness you're supposed to put on rose-colored glasses when you look at that right and before you anybody ats me and calls me names, I just want you to, to reflect on the fact mm -hmm. that having that willful blindness and those rose-colored glasses is how centuries of predators were able to go into the church and prey on children at will without the, the worst punishment they received is perhaps if there were enough complaints they'd be transferred to another parish. Right. If you can see the wrong that that creates in the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. look in a, do a panoramic view. Look at everything that way and say, okay, what are we doing right now that is weakening our society? Where are we holding people up and saying crimes aren't accountable if these people, this identity group participates in it. Right. But if you're not part of that identity group, then is it possible for you to look around with that panoramic view and be able to see these things and, and, and understand them, you know, without identity, if you identify with something, then it, maybe it's a bit harder, you know, you well, feel maybe persecuted it's harder because you want the benefits. Okay. But I'm looking at this as, I will do it for my own group, even when my own group is favored. Well, you have that objectivity. I recognize, so how I can... recognize the danger. Okay. It is dangerous. When you're saying no special favors, no special, you know, everything is deserving of real scrutiny and an examination of its societal impact. Mm. My group, any group I belong to. Amen. As well as any group on the mm -hmm. planet. Let's remove that protective umbrella saying these people are not to be held accountable because we haven't gotten rid of the, the umbrella that was over the Catholic Church. Yeah, We just put it over the LGB community and the members of Black Lives Matter. Those of us who are not advocates of Black Lives Matter, we're out here on our own. Okay, we get rained on a lot. Mm. But the protective umbrella is over certain groups. And what a lot of people under that umbrella right now need to realize is that umbrella always moves. It's mm -hmm. not, it's mm -hmm. already moved off of some of the black people like me mm -hmm. who are not willing to buy into the Marxist destruction mm -hmm. that is advocated by Black Lives Matter and mm -hmm. the destruction of the family that they advocate for. Mm -hmm. Terrible. 
And it's also moved off of some of the L's. I was just at a conference, at an ICONS conference in in um, Denver. Mm -hmm. And it was on protecting women's sports. Oh, okay. You, you would appreciate this, Finney, because mm -hmm. the, the women that were there scanned the spectrum with regard to where how they voted. Okay. So you had straight women, you had lesbians, you had bisexual women, you had a couple of transsexuals there. Okay. Uh, Trans-identifying males, in fact. Um, and everybody was listening to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Everyone was treating everyone else with respect, even if we had different views and principles. It showed what can be done. Excellent. That's what but we need. one of the groups was yeah. the left-wing women and the lesbians talking about how they feel betrayed mm -hmm. because once T joined LGB, T wants to undermine everything that, especially for the L's, what they did was, it's like the umbrella is only a certain size, and it covered LGB, but once it moved over T, it left the L's out in the rain. And these women were talking about how betrayed they feel, telling, you know, with their own groups telling them that they're bigots if they don't date men. You know, if the men identify as women, that they're supposed to actually have sex with these people. And they're like, I'm not attracted to a male body, but I'm supposed to forget that. Otherwise, I get called names. You know, this was a sports conference talking about, you know, men don't belong in women's sports. And that includes people with um, developmental sexual disorders that where they're actually male, even if externally it's not as evident, um, it still gives them an unfair advantage. They had biologists and, yeah. and neurologists from Harvard talking about testosterone and the mm -hmm. male advantage starts before birth and continues. But all of these women were there together and saying, well, regardless of our politics, let's work together towards a common goal. We need to do more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, it's it's snowballed now. I mean, uh, this is really, really rich as well. I mean, this whole thing is snowballed. And, um, I'm, you know, the fact that it's even causing division in, and infighting uh, from, from what you were saying, if, if I understand you correctly, um, mm -hmm. is, is probably a result of, of this external sort of push for this to happen, you know, and it does appear that it's happened from some external source, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not sure what, but, but all of a sudden, you know, and, and because we're not, you know, talking about persecution here, why, what, what does that have to do with, you know, like, for example, you were talking about pedophiles, right? And it's it's like, I, if you could, a person could say, "Listen, I have no problem with drag shows, but why why have a family drag show when there are like seven year old kids there or four year old kids?" That to it's me, child sacrifice is what it is. Yeah, that's it's proving your affinity to the group by allowing a sexualized environment that would be completely inappropriate if those are actual women. Right. That kind of, of behavior will be completely inappropriate. And for, I want to go on record. I've gone on social media and said this. I find drag incredibly offensive. 
Mm-hmm. To me, it is gendered blackface. Mm-hmm. And just like I found blackface and minstrel shows offensive mm-hmm. in their caricatures of black people, mm-hmm. I find drag offensive in its caricatures of women. All right. And yeah. many of them are very sexual. And when they said, oh, it's harmless, I've actually saved notice of how many of those people doing drag shows for kids actually have are on record for child porn, mm-hmm. for sex with underage kids, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. It, and the parents, what kind of parent takes their child to something like this? Yeah, um, I, I don't understand it myself either. It's just, you know, for them to, to be subject to this, to have this imprinted on their minds when they're they're not even able to make these kinds of decisions and you know, there's all sorts of other laws of drinking. It's age, a goal, age. though. Pardon? Somebody was talking about it, and I saw it, and it was a goal. He said, if if kids can decide their gender, then they can decide to have sex. And I know that that there is a politician last name Weiner, kind of ironic, in California. Yeah, <laughs> they already made it legal. Well, actually, what he did was soften the rules against pedophiles saying if the child wasn't snatched off the street, then the person who had sex with this underage person doesn't necessarily have to go on the sex offenders register. But the whole point of, of mm-hmm. gender transition for children has to do with the fact that if children can consent to something they have no comprehension of the implications of it, before their brain they're even formed, if they can consent to that, then they can consent to sex. And that is the ultimate goal. Yeah, you were talking about what uh, the politicians are now. They're reframing uh, this whole thing, calling it minor retracted, and uh, I mean these kinds of things. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, having been immersed in in the gay community, there has been an accepted sexualization of adolescents by the males all along. Mm -hmm. And again without the rose-colored glasses, it was right in front of you. I mean, and you look at, um, look at these, these child drag artists, you know, 11-year-olds doing drag acts and getting money put into their little baby G-strings at gay clubs. And even when people talk about it, there's no big push to have it illegal. There's nobody gets arrested. That's something I noted all along, that when... People under the protective umbrella get away with virtually anything mm-hmm. until the umbrella moves. Mm-hmm. Um, if conservatives actually decide who are the majority in the United States, and probably the majority in a lot of Western cultures, although the, a lot of conservatives have been silenced mm-hmm. over the last 30 years, if they decide to speak up and take their countries back, mm-hmm. They're going to find that umbrella has now moved. I just, I want the umbrella to be closed. I want that protective umbrella gone. I don't want any group to mm. get less scrutiny. I don't want any group to get away with things mm-hmm. because they happen to belong to fill in the blank. Right. Society loses. And in fact, one of the things that I was, I was asked about, you know, the feminist thing and the male, female, anim, you know, the turning women against men kind of thing that's been going on for Mm -hmm. the last God knows how many years. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of men who are more traditional, who are looking at this, 
they should ask themselves, why were women so vulnerable to buying into this? Right. Uh And the reason is there was a flaw in our society that you still see in more traditional societies, and that is a moral double standard. Mm-hmm. That moral double standard where boys can, boys will be boys and men are allowed to, you know, betray the trust of, of everyone they love, left women so vulnerable physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, with regard to their children, that when someone came along and said, hey, we can even this up a bit, a lot of women grabbed it. Mm. So if you want to get rid of that, uh, you know, attack on masculinity, it cannot be just going back to the old ways. Mm-hmm. Masculinity has to come with some conditions, and that condition is accountability. No moral double standard. Right. You notice the Ten Commandments right. say thou shall not. They don't say well, women shall not. No, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It leaves the society vulnerable when one side is, again, that's the umbrella. One side is held accountable, but the other side isn't. That's that same umbrella that these identity groups have been able to pull over and use for themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And a, yeah. A lot of men are protected by it before mm-hmm. are, now, are now out in the rain. Mm-hmm. Let's all of us get used to handling the water and dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to talk about equality or equity, let's let's put it in in that perspective. Let's 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 level the playing field in that uh, regard, uh, in terms of justice as well. Which I mean, you know, even the justice system is obviously compromised. But but I mean, very compromised. Yeah. I've been stunned at oh, how compromised it is. It's crazy. You were talking about the, you know writing laws. I mean, this is, extends to all sorts of things. And like, for example, I remember, um, you know, during COVID, I was I was writing an, uh, emails to the California state legislature every week, you know, watching what they were doing and the hearings that they were having and seeing certain politicians and who they were and who donated to these things that they were trying to pass and, and putting them in office. And it was pretty remarkable what I discovered but but the things that they were actually doing extended to sort of you know uh, rob you know threatening to rob doctors of their licenses if they didn't uh, adhere to a narrative and, and and I mean there was a list of at least ten different bills that were that were on on the 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 docket or whatever you want to call it um, you know to to be passed and to be voted on, and they were insane, unbelievable. One of them said that the police could come to your door and force you if, if um, you know, a California uh, a state medical commissioner or whoever was in that position gave the go-ahead and said, you got to force this person to take this medicine. I, I, I've, I can, I've saved this stuff, and if people want receipts, I'll give you receipts, uh, you know, because I watched it very closely. And, you know, and, 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 and it goes on and on and on where, you know, people, they're not prosecuting people for misdemeanors. If, if there's like shoplifting, for example, less than $750 or whatever it is. So now you have people trying it on for size and you have actual mobs going in and looting these high end stores to the point where, you know, these retail stores are going to just move out 
I, I think there's there are drugstores that are already doing it or these sort of combination drugstore convenience store places that are just saying, we, we can't exist here. We can't allow this to happen. And so there's this huge shift happening. It's being allowed to happen. And you got to ask yourself. Who promoted? Who wins? Of course. I'm looking at this. This is absolutely, yeah. you know, we have worked for a long time to get to separate the, the impression of black people as criminals. Mm -hmm. It was always difficult because when, you know, I saw somebody, I follow some people that I'm surprised they follow me because they don't seem to like black people very much. But they follow me anyway, and I follow them to see what they have to say. You always, you know, get hold your friends closer, and your enemy. What well, hold your friends close, and your enemies closer? Yeah. Is that what they say? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I need to know what people are really thinking. I need to know what people are going to say. So I follow them and look and see what they say. And a lot of them were putting things. They were just put thirteen fifty two, thirteen slash fifty two, and I knew exactly what they were talking about. Black Americans are 13% of the population and 52% of the convicted murderers. We have a serious problem with violent crime. So Black Lives Matter comes along. Everybody's putting the black square. They're putting DEI departments in everywhere saying, oh, it's racist to do this. Every couple on a commercial is either gay or interracial. Everybody in a film is in an interracial couple and there's never any pushback from anywhere about being in an interracial couple, which it, it has a cost to it, okay? Uh, but that's just obliterated. So we have this unrealistic impression. So people are thinking, oh, racism has gotten lighter. No, it hasn't. First of all, all nobody's forgotten all those violent protests. And every time I look online to see all these looting gangs, they're always gangs of black people. So what is going to be the result of that? Racism is rational. Right, exactly. So how are you, because you, you can train your conscious mind. I talk a lot in my work about the brain and how the brain works. And I use the triangle brain theory, not because it's the most comprehensive theory of the brain, but because it's the simplest way to explain the brain to the average person who doesn't have a neuroscience background. And I basically explain that the rational, logical language-based uh, language part of your brain processes information differently than the limbic brain and the primal brain. But the limbic and primal parts of the brain make most of your choices, especially your life choices. So I'm looking at all of this and saying, all these images we are seeing with all of these black people stealing high-end goods, none of these people are stealing food because they have food. They're just taking advantage of the system, and whoever's trying to ruin our culture doesn't want black people or white people to get along. So right. they're encouraging this lowest element who doesn't think past their next rent period or the next two weeks. Mm -hmm. They're encouraging them to go out and steal. It's being videotaped and, and broadcast. Mm -hmm. So everyone who's watching, black and white, your subconscious mind is now, again, associating being black with being a criminal. Right, right. And you cannot, you cannot censor that. If the imagery is there, if every time we look, it's a different group doing it. Exactly. It is going to have an impact because those parts of the brain, the, you know, the primal brain, the limbic brain, the emotion-based part of the brain, they have no filter. 
They process whatever you expose it to. They adapt to whatever you expose it to. So we are making racism rational, mm-hmm. which makes it even more uncomfortable with all this fakery that is demanded by woke Hollywood and by these corporations mm-hmm. who are putting out all these ads. And it's the same thing with every identity group promoted by the woke. Mm-hmm. They want everyone to turn off their rational mind in in how they deal with these groups because you're not supposed to pay attention to the reality at all. Well, the thing is, is that all of this stuff, this imagery and even the language being twisted and sort of, you know, uh, it, it does appeal to the limbic system. And it's just like, I mean, I've talked about this before where, you know, if you're going to sell something to someone, you're going to appeal to their emotions. And so once that, that fear factor is kicked in, no amount of facts is going to change a person's mind. They're, they're afraid for their life. They're afraid. You know what I mean? That, that part of them has been appealed to. So it's, it's difficult to erase. So you come back and tell them, no, that's not true. And they don't want to hear it. And so we're constantly bombarded with that stuff. And, you know, I don't know why you have to turn it off. One of the things that I've told people mm. with regard to that, yeah. and I, I talk to women when I'm talking in the book mm-hmm. about about how to start desiring, and not just choosing, but actually desiring a really decent man, yeah. is that you cannot allow those parts of your brain that make your life choices under heightened circumstances, mm-hmm. so the emotion part and the primal part that handles things like fear and sexual desire, mm-hmm. you cannot expose them to influence mechanisms that tell them the opposite of what you know to be true. So you cannot watch all those Netflix dramas with all of the horrible men where when they fall in love, all of a sudden they turn around and become somebody decent. Or she just accepts it. Or, you know, watching content where nobody has any sexual boundaries and Mm. there are no consequences for not having sexual boundaries. Mm. You cannot expose yourself to that because even if your rational mind is saying, that's not true, that's wrong, the parts of your brain that are making your choices are saying, if you are exposing me to this, on some level you must accept it and I will too. Okay. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful. So when I'm watching... I was in in Denver. It took me 26 hours to get from my house in Brisbane, Australia, to the hotel in Denver because the airport in Denver is just insane, by the way. (laughs) So it took a long time to get there. And so I was tired. I look on, I won't watch free to air because I don't like the commercials and I don't want those commercials in my head. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to see what's available. Only streaming service that they have available that I can easily sign up to is Netflix. Yeah. And I canceled Netflix a couple of years ago once they were running cuties and everything they had. Was I, I did it too. LGBT agendas yeah. and it was promoting being foul-mouthed and mm-hmm. sexually promiscuous. Mm-hmm. I just did not agree with their values, so I canceled it. I didn't So I either. go up on it and I'm looking at it and I said, okay, I can use this for research because I need to know what's influencing my target market who's going to be buying my book. Mm-hmm. And they must think I have ADHD because I have... <laughs> So many shows, even if I read it and it sounds like it's decent, I get three scenes in maybe, and I'm like, oh no, I'm not putting this in my brain, and I turn it off. It's like that new movie, um, what is it, with um, Bradley Cooper, uh, 
It's no, it's it's uh, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. And I put it on, I bought it, actually, they had a sale on it. And I put it on, first scene, they have a guy trying to get an elephant in a horse truck. It's cute. I was like, okay. And then they get to this scene where they go to this Hollywood party, and it is so vile. And everybody's F this and F that. I'm like, oh, my God. I just turned it off. Mm -hmm. Now, it was on sale, so it's not worth it trying to get my money back. But I'm looking at all of this. And I know, even with my knowledge base, it will not protect me if I expose myself to this content. This stuff, storytelling, is extremely powerful. Music is magic. Every culture since mm -hmm. time out of nine has put really important stories and sacred texts to music mm -hmm. and often it would be the kind of music with rhythm so that people would actually move when they're chanting this or saying this and whatever yeah it goes it's in bed stock stuff so deeply into the parts of your brain that mm -hmm. make your life choices yeah it's incredibly clever yeah so you can't afford to go to i noticed this even as a teenage well late teens going to not you know clubs to dance yeah and I, that's when the music started to change over and you started listening to the ones with the good beat. And mm -hmm. they had the most vile, misogynistic, hateful lyrics about women, hypersexuality. Even now, I go on Spotify and they suggest an R&B song list, playlist for me. Mm -hmm. And there may be two songs that don't have the little E for explicit. Yeah. Why does everything have to be hypersexual and and yeah. and crude and coarse and negative and nasty? Yeah, I want it in my brain. Yeah, I I I hear you, and it's it's getting worse and worse. People are like, "Oh, well, you're just turning into your parents." It's like, well, maybe they were onto something. And you know, no, my parents are much more liberal than I am. There, you, there mom, you go. Once I started going to grad school, I was left wing till I went to grad school, and I hmm. started learning. And to how to, to discern the research, because what they've done also over the last 15, 20 years, I've seen the identity groups that are being promoted be supported by some of the shoddiest research on the planet. <laughs> and the average person doesn't know how to, to read the methodology. Mm -hmm. I went to university for nine years, six of those studying advanced research methodology and advanced statistical analysis. So I can read anybody's research, which is one of the reasons my reaction to COVID was different than one might expect. Right. I started looking at the medical research that they were putting out, mm -hmm. and I'd have to look up the medical terms, but I knew how to read the research. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this doesn't bear out at all. Mm -hmm. This is made up. Mm -hmm. They may as well call, it's, you know, the COVID research they were putting out to the mainstream was like a, a degree in in. In, in gender studies, it was just so bad. <laughs> but they've been doing that and getting away with it for more than 20 years mm -hmm. with other identity groups mm -hmm. where they're trying to say being part of that group doesn't have any impact on society or whatever. It's just not true. Mm -hmm. But again, if you won't admit to something, let's say I know for myself I'm divorced and I have a daughter.
okay? Mm-hmm. And I knew when I got divorced that it was going to have a, a terrible impact on my daughter, even though her father and I worked hard not to ever say bad things about each other and not to put her in the middle. He still came to visit. And you know, she had her father in her life. Yeah. And we looked at it. But I still knew she was at a disadvantage compared to a child who had their, her parents married to each other and raising the child together. Mm. But if you aren't willing to study that, if you're going to get mad at somebody for saying it, mm-hmm. then we can't put anything in place to try to mitigate those negative effects. And the same thing goes with some of these identity groups who first said they wanted acceptance, but it's obvious they wanted more than that. They wanted to be promoted, okay? Mm-hmm. Above everything else, a seen as superior. But even when it was about acceptance, by forcing people not to scrutinize what they were accepting, it meant if there were issues, we couldn't do anything to prevent. So when the pushback comes, it's going to be brutal. Mm. And I worry because I'm two of the three groups that's going to get the pushback. Mm. It's going to be pushback against a lot of women's rights. Mm -hmm. It's going to be pushbacks against black people, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a pushback against LGBT. Mm. I mean, it, it's, do you think that's also uh, could be part, well, I mean, it could be said that that's just a pendulum that, that happens socially or societally, um, but I just wonder how much of that could be actually orchestrated as well, you know? Oh, there will be it's pushback. It's destabilizing, you're right. Yeah, and oh, there right. will be pushback. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm certain of it. I mean, personally, I'm I I just I've thought of it so many times and I'm thinking, now this this is a destabilizing effort. There's yes. absolutely no doubt about that. You wouldn't you wouldn't even do some of these things that I see happening, the decisions that are being made, you know, in the political realm. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you just wouldn't do that unless you wanted to destabilize a society. And forgive me if I'm repeating myself if we've trodden over this ground already but you know it just is what it is and it's not going away it's just not going Unless away Unless we make it go away i I, right. I have been very heartened by yeah the centrist and conservative movement mm-hmm. um in the united states yeah because they're giving courage to the rest of the world i know i came over to denver with a woman who's politically active ran for senator who's yeah. in social you know in the public sphere and politically mm-hmm. active here in australia mm-hmm. and we were chatting quietly and saying it's embarrassing how we haven't really done much in australia australia has been so excessively compliant to whatever efforts are being run by whoever's in charge whether it's you know world economic forum whether it's a, a group of individuals well, they're definitely and they, uh, they yeah. just bend over, and and the Kiwis, the New Zealanders, have mm, been even worse. Mm, mm. And she's like, "This is embarrassing." How you know? I said, "But don't worry. The courage anywhere speaks to courage everywhere." So, because of so many Americans have never been the type to just accept what's being told, they've questioned everything. And a lot of them are speaking up. A lot of them are standing up. We're fighting back in America. And it's giving courage to 
the Australians, the New Zealanders, the British, the Canadians. I'm glad for that. But I'm glad for that because I believe, I mean, that I'm seeing that, but because it's been so dire and we've just been battered, uh, you know, for, for incessantly now for several years, well, I mean, it's accelerated the past several years, that what, what I'm seeing is almost too good to be true. I mean, for I mean, it goes goes on. I'm seeing people rising up in the streets. Look what happened to the farmers. I mean, this whole thing about the fertilizer because because it's hazardous to the environment. And I'm thinking to myself, this is absurd. And the fact that the farmers fought back. Yeah, the the Dutch farmers yeah. have been incredible. So the courage isn't just in the United States. Please right. let me reiterate that. The Dutch farmers have done amazing things. Yeah. I was so proud of Canadian truckers. Yeah, you know, so was I. Having their accounts frozen. because Oh, that's they, ridiculous. No freedom in Canada. So that no. was really courageous. But you know what? We need. To, I sent some notices to Canadians saying, you need to, to remember some things from your cousins down south. I know that, that you often give us grief, but give me liberty or give me death. Yes. We need... We need to be, we need to remember who and what we are. We come, I am a double threat. I come from a courageous people, both this kind of black people that were in the civil rights movement. My great uncle was a Tuskegee Airman, okay? And I'm an American. And I look, you know, and for the black, any black people listening to this, first man to die in the Revolutionary War, Christmas Addicts was a black man. My mother taught us that. We knew that in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So when we integrated a whole an all-white neighborhood at the age of seven, and they mm -hmm. said black people haven't done anything, I was like, are you kidding? First man to die in the Revolutionary War was mm -hmm. a black man. Mm -hmm. No, First man to perform open heart surgery, Dr. Charles Drew, was a black man. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know doesn't mean it didn't happen. And if you're willing to listen, I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got all the way through Stanford. My mother was like, you will have education. We come from a proud people and we stand together because like the Revolutionary War, there were black people, there were white people, there were immigrants, there were people born there, and they were all fighting for freedom. They mm -hmm. were all standing together. Let's do that again. Yeah. To, they're trying to take our country from us. They're trying to take Western culture from us. Are we going to say yes or are we going to say no? That's what we have to decide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and 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 it's obvious. I mean, all the 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 sort of classic techniques and signs are there for anyone who can see them. You know, having said that, I mean, not, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here, but there are a cohort. I mean, there's there 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 is a contingency, a group of people who would say, "Wow, you know." That's good. They froze their bank accounts. They were annoying. They came in and honked our horns and kept us awake. And, you know, there are people who are that deluded who cannot see that if they froze the truckers bank accounts, they might freeze yours when you don't want that to happen. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so people, most, a lot of people have slave mindsets. I mean, I live yeah. in a country, as I said, I've been very grateful to live in Australia. I'm now considering coming back to the state mm -hmm. because the compliance level is getting worse. We have a, a prime minister now who wants to remove free speech. The Australians just don't seem, at this point, ready to fight back. They, 
I am so grateful mm -hmm. that they let me live in their country. I've mm -hmm. always treated this country with respect. Mm -hmm. I pay my taxes, which are significantly higher than in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I contribute while I'm here. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at the passivity in the face of tyranny. And mm -hmm. I need I need to join the struggle. And the struggle is being led by Americans. Yeah. And as an American, who's, I have permanent residency here, but I never, I am not an Australian citizen. I, you can get dual citizenship, but I chose not to. Mm -hmm. I cannot lead a struggle in a foreign country. Well, I, I know what you're saying. My own people. I need to be my own, among my own people. And, I, you know, I've been here for, since 2004. Mm -hmm. I've been here for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought I would stay here. But I never thought the mm -hmm. reaction to COVID, I just saw a level of compliance and passivity that was so frightening to me. We and of watched. course, I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because I refused to comply. And that's not fake money. That's real money that that's, I lost. That's criminal to me. Criminal. And, and so one of the things with your audience, if, if somebody has projects that they want me to work on, contact me because I'm already planning. I'm going back. I'm, as they used to say in the old days, going back to the world. Okay. <laughs> That's great, um, Dina. Yeah, we, please, we miss you, you know? I mean, I miss America. I love my country. At no point, you know, sometimes they got mad at me. People in Europe and people in Australia get mad at me because they expect me to put down my country and I'm like, no, I'm playing. I'm proud to be an American yeah. on my playlist. Got it roaming, and it's like, yes. no, I'm a proud American. You take me as I am. I'm a proud American. You yeah. are not going to yeah. get me to, to put down my country. Just like living in Australia, I mean, a lot of immigrants who have no respect for Australians at all about anything, and nothing good to say about them. They come here to make money. And their attitude towards Australians is terrible. And I'm like, you do realize you have to go back to where you come from. I don't. That's so disrespectful to a country that took you in. I agree. I, I will love Australia forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I will love Australians forever. Yeah. But the, the the increasing tyranny that they are willing to to accept, it just, I cannot, I cannot do this. Yeah, I understand. My, my wife is Australian, you know, and I mean, we've watched this from afar and, um, you know, you're corroborating uh, the things that we've seen and heard where we knew where to look and we know people there. And so it's, we're not, we're not going to be subject to or believe lies or, or, you know, misinformation so to speak that we're getting from any other outlets or or just the lack of coverage or the distortion of it be, because it's 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 been equally alarming to us just to see this from a distance and i mean appalling unbelievable and and really uh in america too there you know it's it's happened even on on smaller more decentralized levels like to the point where there is a huge difference between L.A. County and Ventura County or L.A. County and Kern County. I mean, I moved out of L.A. County. Or Orange we, County. If I move back, yeah. my first court of call, maybe. I, I have some opportunities, and cross your fingers for me, yeah. Vinny, Vinny's audience. Um, I have some opportunities to work in Florida, and should they come to fruition, I will go there. But if, uh, my other alternative is to go back to California, but mm. Orange County, California. Mm -hmm. The part, 
of California with the American flags. The part where I go to a store to buy makeup and nothing is locked away. Right. Yeah, I get somebody yeah. to help me and she mm -hmm. doesn't treat me like I'm going to be stealing the makeup. Yeah. And you yeah. can walk down the street and it's safer. Yeah. I, I That's where I would go back to because yeah. I think California is worth saving. I'm looking at what is being willfully destroyed and you notice it's the big cities. They've allowed... Yeah, yeah. The shooting crime in Chicago, the third largest city in America, mm -hmm. to go unfettered for over a decade. They have a, they're allowing criminal the criminal classes to destroy sure. California and New York. Yeah. And I'm like, do you realize this is these are acts of war? Yeah. To destroy your main cities. Do you realize these are acts of war? So we have to fight back. So when I go back to Cal if I go back to California, I am interested in getting on city council, school boards, running for office. Yes. Because I'll vote I for you. I was married to an Australian politician. I learned politics is politics. And I've learned a lot about politics. Um, I am absolutely certain I could get elected. Oh, you know what? And, you got my vote. <laughs> and you got no amount of money in the world to bribe me. So you don't yeah, even try. That's I've, right. I've, been, I've had attempted bribes. I was a commissioner in in Melbourne, um, and I had some interesting offers from the local casino. Um, they they hated me, and I take that as a point of pride because <laughs> I I taught them a word they weren't used to hearing, the word no. So we have to take our country back. Mm -hmm. And believe me, once we do, I'm looking back to Australia. This is a wonderful country with wonderful people. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not deserting you. I'm leaving you t temporarily, Australia, because I do love you yeah. and I want you to be free. Yeah. And you have a lot of people here. The majority of Australians are strong, brave people who have stood by us in every war we've had, and they deserve our support. But just mm. like a lot of things, we, like what we were talking about with with men, and I said, can men change? And I said, yes, but you can't change them. Australia has to decide for itself what it wants to be. Does it want to be just a satellite of the World Economic Forum mm -hmm. and the globalists, or is it going to continue with the strong tradition that they have? Right mm -hmm. now, there are so many efforts to give the country away, to ruin the country. Yeah. Well, that's happening. It, We're seeing that in other parts of the world, too. We're seeing America is obviously a target. Um, this is really the last chance saloon, I think. So, you know, and, and that's you know, a big part of why we have to fight to preserve it because of what it is. The great American experiment can't fail because it, it, you know, it was allowed to crumble from within, you know, the constitution, these people have taken oaths to defend the constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. And so, you know, if we've been in infiltrated, we have to be on our guard from that as well, because there's a lot of ways to take, take a society down, you know, so, and I fear for my people, I'm going to tell you, I don't just fear for Australians, I fear for black Americans, mm. because they've been so easily and emotionally bought off by Democrats who have allowed, you know, with with nominal support, although mm. a lot of black people who live in sanctuary states and sanctuary cities are noticing how much money and support is going for illegals that they're using to displace black Americans who can vote. Mm. Interesting. So I see. Democrats only make promises to black people 
and only, you know, promote black people right before an election. And as soon as the election happens, it's over. We're better mm -hmm. off with somebody that says, okay, what you got? You can stand next to me, but I'm, you know, let's go. But you're going to iron your way. Yeah. For a lot of that's like, oh, that's racist because of the past. No, do you realize how brave our people were? Yeah. How courageous they were to yeah. even survive the yeah. Middle Passage mm -hmm. across the Atlantic? Yeah. We come from a proud, brave people. We don't need handouts. We need you to just step back and let us go. Okay? Yeah. I look at my Tuskegee Airmen great uncle. It, there's a, a wonderful movie with Lawrence Fishburne called The Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, and I got to look for that. What they went through. Mm. And I'm watching it. I'm watching it with my, one of my sisters, and we're like, yeah, that's us. Okay, that's <laughs> us. We come from the courageous people, but I yeah. look at how many black people have been bought off. How many of mm. these, these uh, people in the justice system are so crooked, so biased, mm -hmm. so bought off, mm -hmm. and are willing to betray every oath they've ever taken? Mm -hmm. Because they're being lured, bribed, threatened yeah. by our enemies mm -hmm. to dismantle our judicial system. Yeah. And the way they've gone after Trump, oh my God. Yeah. Anybody with two brain cells should know that if you can do that, to, you should not be able to, to do that to anyone. Yeah. Well, and this two tiered justice system, Hunter Biden belongs to be so far under a jail that he never sees the light of day again. Mm. With its death. You cut, you broke up if, there a second Trump, there. If Trump and Trump Jr. had done any of the stuff that the Bidens had done, mm. there would be so many protests in every major city. Now, I'm not saying we should get violent and destroy our cities mm -hmm. like the left is doing, like the woke are doing. Mm -hmm. But we definitely need to do something. We need to get together. You know, let's have an active. Why do you think yeah. Biden's one of Biden's first act, and he even talked about this pre-election, was to get all of those new IRS agents and arm them? We need to get together and and do what our ancestors did, and say we aren't going to pay taxes as long as you keep doing this. You mm. do this, we don't pay taxes. Mm. And them being armed is one thing, but they're going up against a very heavily armed population who is not afraid to shoot back. They try that, it will get ugly. 87,000 will not be enough, okay? We need to remember who we are. We yeah. do not accept tyranny. Yeah, full and stop. He, well, yeah, full stop. I, I get it, you know? And, and the thing is, is that how many will actually not comply and say, well, listen, you know, I got to work three jobs as it is. And, you know, I got to feed two kids and my husband left me. And, and, you know, these people understand. We can help each other. Though. Amen I, I to that. that we can Amen. help each other. That's why it has to be. Because yeah. we have to concentrate. We have to have a motivated. We have to have a, 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 a an organized effort. It cannot be piecemeal. It needs to be organized. Exactly. So those people who have situations, you know, I have an elderly parent I'm caring for or Whatever the situation, we can provide the support they need because we have to fight back against tyranny, mm -hmm. whatever face it happens to put on at the time. And when you have a a group who is so flaunting of their lack of accountability, mm -hmm. are we going to accept that or not? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm and, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Not, there's, 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 uh, I think that, that, that there will be an effort to continually splinter people, but we need to come together, you know, despite our sort of political differences in terms of party stuff, it's policy over party and just recognize our, absolutely. our, our human commonality as a human family, which does not denote globalism. See, that's the other no. thing. We need to be vigilant at every turn to make sure that when we talk about coming together, that doesn't mean centralism. That doesn't mean statism. That doesn't mean tyranny. It means us, the people. We, the people, as as you very well put it. Yeah. And yes, so, and we, yeah. just, we have to remember who we are. And, and, and I am so glad for avenues to get to talk about this mm. now. If Elon is listening to this, stop mucking around with Twitter, okay? <laughs> it's bad enough you call it X. Talking about actually making the taking away the blocking feature, it's, women especially will be extraordinarily vulnerable if you take that off because we get a lot of focused efforts to silence us. And yeah. if you get a lot of people pulling you, it goes on your timeline, and a lot of people who don't want to read all that will stop following you it will have a definite impact. Don't do it. I was thrown off Twitter for years, couple years, just simply for retweeting a meta-analysis of ivermectin studies showing a significant impact against COVID, which of course has been borne out goodness knows how many times since mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. But the previous version of Twitter threw me off. And the biggest problem with that, not only did I have some very influential followers, it was my way of getting news. I live in a country with a completely captured media. So if, if I don't have access to Twitter, I don't know what's really happening in the world because all I get in Australia is the official narrative. This is not a free country. This is not a free country and it's becoming less free by the day. Mm -hmm. So I need access to the media. And as I said, I'm looking at it, you know, early next year, I'm coming home. No, yeah, good. Yeah, because they're and, just taking away all of our civil rights. Yeah. No, I'm coming home. Good. Well, well, welcome home, Dina. I, I can't wait to, to, uh, for that to happen, you know, and, and, uh, you know, where, wherever you do end up, ho hopefully if you end up in California, then we can break bread. <laughs> you know. Oh gosh, absolutely. Yeah. And and I want to say too, getting back to the original topic of you know the books that I have coming out. Yes. One of the things I, I recently did a podcast where the the podcast host mentioned something. You know, you're talking about helping women find great partners. She said, "You know, you could end up with a dating service, right?" <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. Well, because I am. I have always been a huge supporter of really good guys. You know, I think they get a short shrift. They don't get anywhere near the attention that they deserve. Mm -hmm. I want people to be in really strong, healthy, loving relationships. I'm doing everything I can to make that happen because the micro reflects the macro. Again, I said, as goes the family, so goes the society. Yes. So we can't talk about taking our society back on a macro level and not pay attention to the absolute destruction that's being wrought on relate on interpersonal relationships 
with the promotion of pornography, yeah, with the promotion of of lack of boundaries, mm-hmm. with teaching women to lie, yeah, that selling yourself, empowering in some way, yeah, yeah, with teaching that that men that men should be disrespected, nobody should be disrespected, but yeah. especially not your partner. Yeah. So you show men respecting women, but the women are able to get away with disrespecting the men. No, that's not going to that's not going to apply in a healthy relationship. So if you, for people who really want to have a healthy relationship, they should get my book Fascination with the Devil mm. and go on my website, which is www.drdinamcmillan.com. So that's D R D I N A M C M I L L A N and then dot com. So it's Dr. Dina McMillan, all small letters dot com. And come online, look the blogs, you know, contact, there's email there. You can contact me if you have a query. Let's do this together, micro and macro, because while I care so much about society, I care about the people in it. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, that's that's such a powerful message, Dina, about, you know, it has to happen on the most fundamental level of of uh, the, the unit, the family unit, which, you know, all things spring out from that, you know, before it becomes a town and a city and a nation, et cetera, et cetera. If, if that's destabilized, which it's obviously is being then, then it's game over. So amen to that. Dr. Dina McMillan, um, yeah, thank you so much again for being on the show and um, and and her new book, Fascination with the Devil: Why Women Love Emotionally Dangerous Men. Um, please go and get it, and please take heed to everything that she said and all of the things that she's offering, so that um, that we can all heal. So thank you, Dina, and uh, God bless you. Well, thank you for having me, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please stay tuned for the next episode of Breakfast with Vinny.